Well, if I would have continued reading in the passage that I read a few moments ago, the very next verse, verse 20 or verse 40 in Mark 15 says this. It says that, and there were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the less, and Joseph and Salome. I think I need to get in the middle here. There we go. Yep. <laughs> um, these women, they saw with their own eyes the brutality of the crucifixion. They heard the, cro- the crowd mock Jesus. They saw the, brutal, the bu- brutality of the cru- crucifixion. They heard Jesus' anguished cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Matthew's gospel tells us that some of these women also showed up at the tomb later that night and they saw the stone rolled in front of the tomb. Can you imagine what that was like for them? Your friend, the most beautiful, wise, good, kind person that you've ever known, crucified. Can you imagine what it was like for the disciples? They had left everything to follow Jesus. They had followed him for three years. They had staked all of their hopes on Jesus. He was the Messiah. He was the one who had come to deliver them and set them free from Roman oppression. He had come to rule as king, and yet now he lies in the tomb dead. I wonder, did any of them even sleep that first Friday night, or were they so overwhelmed with like, the, the grief that you can't even breathe? Did they rise on Saturday morning wondering if this is all a bad dream, only to realize it's not a dream? Jesus is dead. Can you imagine what it was like to live through that first Saturday, not knowing what the next day would bring? How dark, how lonely, how confusing, how hopeless that Saturday must have been for them. You know, the reality is we too live in Saturday. Jesus has come, as we have sung. He has come. He has died for sin. We know that we will celebrate on Easter that he has been raised victorious. But we wait for his return. And as we wait, it's only then that he will restore and he will make all things new. During this time in salvation history, there continues to be sin and brokenness and disease and pain and suffering. We live in Saturday. This truth has been brought so near to us over the last number of weeks, right, with this pandemic. This afternoon, I saw that now one point, almost 1.7 million people sick around the world. Over 100,000 people have died around the world. And as a result of this, we're living in isolation, separated from people we love, some of us are, have lost our source of income. Some of us have had to lay people off. Some of us are putting our lives on the line, caring for people who are infected with this virus. We're missing births and weddings and graduations and all sorts of other important things. We live in Saturday. The reality is, even before this pandemic, we were living in Saturday because until Jesus comes back and makes all things new. We live in a broken world with sickness and disease and pain. 
And so how do we live in Saturday as believers? How do we live in Saturday? We lament. We lament. Did you know that of the 150 psalms in the Bible, 67, if my memory serves me right, 67 of them are psalms of lament, which is almost half of the psalms uh, are, are laments, which ought to tell us something about the place lament takes in the, in the center of God's people. And we don't know, but, but I wonder, did any of these psalms of lament, was it on the heart and the minds of those women and Jesus' disciples on their Saturday? One author describes lament this way. He says, lament is different than crying because lament is a form of prayer. It is more than just the expression of sorrow or the venting of emotion. Lament talks to God about pain. And it has a unique purpose, trust. It is a divinely given invitation to pour out our fears, frustrations, sorrows, for the purpose of helping us renew our confidence in God. That's what we need to do when we live in Saturday. We need to look honestly at our difficulties, but renew our confidence in God. And this is what laments help us do. And so to help us lament, maybe if I would have asked this uh, two months ago, some of us would, would feel like lament feels so out of place. Everything is going well. But I'd venture to say all of us feel these days that lament is fully where we're at. It's fully appropriate to our situation. And so I want to look at a psalm tonight, a brief, short little psalm that I actually shared in a daily encouragement a few weeks ago, uh, Psalm 13. I like this psalm because it's short, but it also models real clearly sort of the structure of a lament. And uh, the basic structure of a lament is there's an address to God, but then it's the lament, there's a petition, and then there's expression of confidence. The lament, a petition, and then expression of confidence. And we're told this is a lament of David. In verse 1 he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me. How long, how long, how long? This is David's lament. When he says, God, how long will your face hide from me? You know, there's the blessing about God making his face shine on you. And when, when God's face was looking on you, that, you, were, you were under his blessing and his favor. And David said, saying, his face is turned away from me. And how long will I live in that situation? How long will I be in the situation where my enemies are exalted over me, O God? And my enemies are your enemies, God. So how long will your enemies be victorious? That's his lament. Verse 3, he comes to his petition. He says, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Consider, answer, and light up my eyes. David's had the sense that God is not paying attention to him. So he's calling out, God, would you consider me? Would you answer me? Would you notice me? And would you give me some insight here? Because if you don't do this, oh Lord, I'm afraid that I'm going to be shaken. I'm going to, I'm going to fall. My faith will fail. And so that's his bold request. Honest about what he's struggling with, a bold request. 
And then there's this transition when you come to verse 5. He says, but. And in most laments, there's this transition of but or yet. All but one end with this kind of confidence of hope. David says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David may feel like God's not paying attention to him. He may feel that his enemies are going to have their way. And yet David makes a choice. He says, but I have trusted in your loving kindness and I rejoice in your salvation. And when he backs up and he gets the big picture, he's even able to say that God has dealt bountifully with him. He ends up in a very different place through Lament. He starts off, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? Why have you abandoned me to confession that God has dealt bountifully with him? He comes to renewed confidence in the Lord. And David arrives at that place, not by ignoring his pain, but by praying through it. As we live in Saturday in this world, in this broken world, as we live through the Saturday of this pandemic, as we live through the Saturday of any kind of suffering or pain, lament helps us talk to God about our pain and express our confidence and renew our confidence in Him. These are days to lament. Tonight, I want to use the words of Psalm 13 to lead us in a lament for what we are all experiencing these days through this pandemic. Let's pray through our pain, through our worry, through our anxieties, and let's renew our confidence in the Lord. Will you pray with me? How long, O Lord, will you forget us forever? How long will you hide your face from us? How long until you notice our suffering and the hardship of these days? How long will it be before you act? How long will this enemy of this virus be exalted over us? How long will we be separated from friends and grandparents and parents and children and grandchildren? How long will we be isolated in our homes? How long will we have to miss human touch, the hug of a friend, the handshake of a friend? How long will we carry the anxiety of concern for our own health and the health of people we care about? How long will our source of income be interrupted? How long will it be before we can open the doors of our businesses again and provide income to our employees and services to our community? How many more birthdays and graduations and weddings and celebrations have to be canceled? How long until we can again join together as your people in this place and worship? Oh Lord, how long? Consider and answer us, O Lord our God. Light up our eyes. Give us insight, lest we be overwhelmed with this pandemic. Do not let it prevail over us. Strengthen us. Help us. Calm our anxious hearts. Give us peace 
gives strength to medical personnel serving tirelessly. Keep them safe. Give insight to researchers who are seeking solutions and send a cure. Be merciful and stop the spread of this virus. Heal those who are sick throughout the world. Give wisdom to guide our civic leaders and health officials. Provide for those whose livelihoods and income have been affected by this crisis. Father, though we have no idea how long this will last, we trust in your steadfast love. Good Friday declares to us that you intervene in human history to rescue and to save. Good Friday declares to us that you see us and you care. And so we trust in you in these uncertain times. Amen.